If you haven't listened to the last episode, The Road to Automating My Business, I highly recommend starting there because this episode will be lacking some important context otherwise. The short recap is that I talked about what I've been doing for the past few years of building with Jack, where I've been manually processing quotes and policies and why now is the right time to automate the business. But to do that, I need an insurer to give me a permission called a delegated authority or a binder. I use those terms interchangeably. In this episode, I want to go into more detail about what's required to automate the business, the stage that I'm at with things and just some insight around this whole process because if there's one thing that I found building a business in the insurance industry it's that there's a real lack of transparency nobody talks about these things you kind of just have to figure it all out for yourself and it can feel very lonely and daunting especially as a solo founder so let's go back in time briefly to pre-launch circa 2016 when I was first trying to launch with Jack The general feedback was that no insurers were interested in working with me until I'd sold £250,000 of insurance. Now, I like a challenge and I have always backed myself work-wise. I have a feeling that I can do something great with this company. I knew that I could hit that target, but what I didn't understand was how I was meant to sell a quarter of a million pounds worth of insurance products if nobody was giving me their insurance products to sell. Like, make that make sense. It's kind of the whole chicken or the egg problem. This is why I launched with Jack using an insurer's existing e-trading system, just to get my foot in the door and show that even with the constraints of manually processing everything, I can put my head down and I can build a successful business. And I've been able to do that. I've not just sold £250,000 of insurance, but my book of customers is now a million, not because of manually processing everything, but in spite of that constraint, in spite of that limitation. So, yeah, I like to imagine what I could do with the systems and processes in place that allow me to scale. Using an e-trading system wasn't my only option, or at least I don't think it was. Nobody actually tells you these things, but it did look like the alternative path to get a binder was to go down the whole VC funding route. And I'm basing that assumption entirely on the fact that I saw competitors get binders without having sold a single insurance policy. But the key difference between with Jack and their business is that they were all VC backed. I believe that insurers give them the resources from day one because the flawed thinking, at least in my opinion, the flawed thinking with VC-backed businesses is that they're going to grow really big and make everybody really rich. And the truth is that they rarely do, especially in insurance. So going down the VC route wasn't all that appealing to me for a few reasons. VC funding generally means you have aggressive targets to hit. It's not you saying, we're going to build uh, you know, a business that takes a small segment of the market. It's The opposite is a statement that you want to dominate it because investors are looking for a 10x return. But it doesn't matter how good your brand is. Freelancers don't feel passionately enough about insurance or don't really understand it well enough yet that you'll see that rocket ship growth. There are 2 million freelancers in the UK, but I would estimate that only 25% of them are actually insured. So it's really not that big a market. Instead, you have to play the long game to succeed in insurance. And my fear has always been that VCs 
don't afford you that luxury. Secondly, one thing I think a lot of founders overlook when starting a company is what kind of business you want to run based on the life you want to live. I feel like my values align more with bootstrap companies. I'm not here to build a unicorn and spend my time on planes, traveling around, looking for that next round of investment just to make a quick exit. That is my idea of hell. I still see myself doing this in 10 years. I know that I want to focus strictly on pleasing customers, not getting distracted by pleasing investors. And I know that I want to build a remarkable product for a small group of people. That excites me. So now that I've crossed that magical numerical threshold, how does one get a delegated authority? Is it just a case of saying, hey, I've sold £250,000 of insurance. Hit me up with one of those DAs. I wish it was that simple. To get a delegated authority, I first have to become a Lloyd's cover holder. And to become a Lloyd's cover holder, I have to be sponsored by a Lloyd's managing agent. Part of the application process requires me to build the quote and bind system that shows we've got the tech to do things properly and that we're adhering to the regulatory requirements. Remember, we are building this business in a regulated industry. We're building this software in a regulated industry, so there are a lot of boxes to tick. And with each step of the process, there's approximately 2,000 tonnes of paperwork to be completed. There's business plans, financials, compliance questionnaires, CVs, licenses, security questionnaires, policies and procedures, more policies and procedures, and probably about a thousand iterations of each of those things. As soon as I think that I've completed everything, something else lands in my inbox. It's a really disjointed process. You have no idea how close or how far you are to the finish line. And it gives this feeling of being in a tunnel with no light at the end of it. And that can make it really difficult to stay motivated. So that initial challenge was, of course, selling £250,000 of insurance, which we did. We crossed that threshold several years ago. And a lot of that journey has been documented in this podcast. The next step is the cover holder application. I mentioned before about some of the paperwork that's involved Uh, Paperwork is not my strong point, to put it lightly. I consider myself a creative. I like to make things. So that whole process was very monotonous. And the only way to incentivize myself to face the repetitiveness was to always have a reward at the end of it. So it could be, when I finish this, I get to go away for the weekend. Or I get to finish work early today and go and see a movie. That helped a lot. But the big hurdle was the fact that I'm a one-woman startup. I don't think a one-person business has ever gone through this process before. So a lot of the questions and criteria are designed with much, much bigger, shall we say more traditional businesses in mind. It's all a bit archaic, as you can imagine, because, well, financial services. And because financial services like rules and they like things being done the way they've always been done, there was some friction around me being a one-person business. And this is where a lot of the hold-up came from. Um, And the issue was I didn't want to bring into the business some random co-founder. I think it's a lot like marriage. There are a lot of factors at play to get that relationship right. And if you don't get it right, it can have pretty devastating consequences. 
So to combat this, I relied heavily on the fact that I have a locum. Somebody who's qualified to work in the industry and can take care of my customers should anything bad happen to me that renders me unable to work. But it turns out that at some point during the two and a half years of this application process, that person actually sold their company and retired and sailed off into the sunset. I mean, quite right, but it meant that I was back at square one and having to figure out how to get over that stumbling block. That's just one of the hurdles that kind of made me think, am I ever going to get this over the line? The other hurdle has been the technology side. When I was told that I had to have a functioning quote and bind system to demo, it was really scary to invest that amount of money into building something without any guarantee that the application would actually be successful, that it would be approved. Even at just the prototype level, it's still such a big investment. And it feels like the biggest financial risk that I've taken with this business since launching. The quote and bind system, and I, I don't know if developers will uh, disagree with me, but the way that I see it is it's basically a glorified calculator. You input your details and based on certain variables, a price will be returned. Provided you meet a criteria, which has all been predefined, you can then buy the policy and the system will generate your policy documents. I suppose where it does get complicated is ensuring that it meets all of the regulatory requirements, reporting standards, um, because yeah, building software in a regulated industry definitely adds various layers of complexity. One of the recurring themes with this whole application is that because it's taken so long, I mean, we are now over two years into this, a lot of the people involved at the start are no longer involved. Um, for example, I mentioned my locum selling his business and retiring within that time frame, which put a spanner in the works. And also the designer that I originally worked with to design and build the system went into full-time employment and it made sense for both of us to part ways. So that happened very recently. Um, I mean, it was completely amicable and I still get to use a lot of the great work that they'd done. So I'm not starting from scratch, but it definitely felt like another bump in the road, having to find a new tech team and do that whole handover process. Um, we are very early stages with that. I actually just had a meeting with them a couple of days ago, which was amazing because I do feel like we're, we're finally getting a little bit of momentum. From day one, I have felt so overwhelmed with this process. Like it is so much bigger than me. And that's a really uncomfortable feeling. But I have to remind myself that no matter how overwhelmed it feels, this is a really important step. Not just for the reasons I spoke about in the last episode, like helping me have a better work-life balance, helping with Jack's scale, um, if I'm being completely honest, and I, I don't know if I've ever went on record saying this, but my end goal is to create a new product for freelancers that addresses some of the volatility around freelancing. And I can't really do that until I've done this. So what comes next? I don't know, because like I said, it feels like there is no blueprint. But I am working with uh, really good people, very experienced people who've done this many times before and I'm trusting them to guide me through it. Um, in terms of the stuff that is in my control, I'll just keep finding solutions to any hurdles that inevitably rise and we'll knock them on the head one by one 
until we finally inch over the finish line. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bootstrap Digest. Follow along as I share my progress with getting my delegated authority and building and launching the software that's going to automate everything and help you reclaim my life. If you want to check out my personal blog, then visit iamashley.co.uk and if you want to see what I'm building, then head to withjack.co.uk. Until the next episode, bye!